Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. We once sang, God can do anything. Anything, anything, God can do anything but fail. The idea that we have a God who can do anything, I think, is very important to us. That belief carries over to us in every area of our lives that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Yes, we know that God can't fail. And it's the one thing that you and I can't afford to do either. We can't fall short. We can't come up short. The book of Hebrews is a series of exhortations to believers. It includes five warnings. The warnings are sprinkled throughout the book. The first warning is in Hebrews 2. It warns about neglecting so great a salvation. The second warning is in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. It warns us to not harden our heart as those children of Israel did in the wilderness. The third warning is in Hebrews chapters 5 and 6. It speaks of complacency that leads to apostasy. The fourth warning is in Hebrews 10. It warns us against willfully sinning and drawing back, retreating from the grace of God, from the power of the Spirit. It's there that we read it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But finally, the fifth warning is in Hebrews 12, that we cannot refuse to listen to God as he is speaking, for God is a consuming fire. Five warnings, each telling us one thing we cannot do, Paul spoke of the one thing he did, forgetting those things behind. Here we have the one thing we cannot do. We cannot fail the Lord. All of this week on Daily Devotion, I've been talking about resilience and grit. These are the components to live an overcoming life in the day we're in. No one wants to be viewed as a failure. No one wants to be written off as a has-been of history, a castaway. Someone who once mattered, but no longer. Someone who once made a difference, but no longer. We were warned, warned about what Israel did. In the 95th Psalm, God says, for 40 years I put up with them. They would not enter into my rest. Why? Because again and again, we read, they hardened their hearts. When they realized their need of water at Massa and at Meribah, they moaned and complained even though God already had the provision. When they grew weary of manna, they murmured against God, and God gave them quail. And God grew angry with them at Kibroth Hatiava. There were the graves of lust. Oh, but what happened at Kadesh? Do any of you know these ten names? Shemua, son of Zakur from the tribe of Reuben. Shaphat, son of Hori, from the tribe of Simeon, Egal, son of Joseph from the tribe of Issachar, Palti, son of Raphu from the tribe of Benjamin, Gadiel, son of Zodi from the tribe of Zebulun. Do these names sound familiar to you? What about Gadi, son of Susi from the tribe of Manasseh, or Amiel, son of Gamali from the tribe of Dan, or Sether, son of Michael from the tribe of Asher, or Nabi, son of Oshi from the tribe of Naphtali, Ghul, son of Maki from the tribe of Gad. Do you recognize any of those names? No. You've never given any of them thought. Why? 
because these were the 10 spies who gave a negative report of the promised land. You know two names, Joshua from Ephraim, Caleb from Judah, but you don't know the names of the 10 with a negative report. The word in Hebrew for spies can also mean traitors and deserters. The 10 men who betrayed God's investment in them. The 10 who deserted God's promised land. The 10 who said, we cannot do this. We cannot overcome. We cannot. No, the one thing you and I cannot do, we cannot fail the Lord. The crisis you're enduring, you can't fail God. The difficult times you're facing, don't fail God. The sickness, the strife, the hurt, the heartache, the loneliness, all of the questionings and the frustrations, you cannot fail God. Was it Gene Kronz who said of Apollo 13, failure is not an option? It's not an option. We can't fail God. Let's talk about this a bit. Do you remember what Malachi 3.16 said? Then the people who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord listened and heard what they said. We've got to talk about this. We have to talk with one another. And we have the confidence in knowing that God is listening to us. And God is marking what we say. There's one thing we cannot do. We cannot fail the Lord. That old song we once sang, I cannot fail the Lord. I cannot fail the Lord. He has never failed me yet. Every promise he has kept. I cannot fail the Lord. We cannot be like those we're warned about in Hebrews, those who turned back. There has to be a resilience and a grit within each of us, a determination, a decision that we have made that no matter what happens in our life, we will not go back. It's in the book of 2 Corinthians, we probably learn more about the Apostle Paul than in any other book. It's a very personal look. In chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, we read where Paul said, we don't lose heart. We have treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We may be knocked flat on our face, but we've not been destroyed. You probably heard of the setbacks of the future president, Abraham Lincoln, when he was seven years old. His family was forced out of their home on a legal technicality, and he had to work as a child to help support the family. At age nine, his beloved mother died. At 22, he lost his job as a store clerk. He wanted to go to law school. His education wasn't good enough. At 23, he went into debt to become a partner in a small store. At 26, his business partner died, leaving him a huge debt that took years to repay. At 28, after courting a girl for four years, he asked her to marry him. She said no. At 37, on his third try, he was elected to Congress. Two years later, he failed to be reelected. At 41, his four-year-old son died. At 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. At 47, he failed as a vice presidential candidate. 
49, he ran for the Senate again and lost. And at 51, he was elected president of the United States. Lincoln is considered perhaps the greatest leader this country has ever had. How? How did he have such perseverance, such resilience, such grit? Let me give you a clue to that. So on February 11, 1861, Lincoln was leaving Springfield, Illinois, bound for D.C. A crowd had come to send him off at the railway station. Ahead of him was war. Ahead of him was death and carnage. Before him was assassination, lasting fame. And now this little group of people came to bid him Godspeed in his endeavor. The reason for his perseverance is found in the impromptu remarks he made that day. He said, my friends, no one, not in my situation, can appreciate my feeling of sadness at this parting to this place and the kindness of these people. I owe everything. Here I have lived a quarter of a century and passed from a young man to an old man. Here my children have been born and one is buried. I now leave not knowing when or whether I may return with a task before me greater than that which rested upon George Washington. Without the assistance of the divine being, whoever attended him, I cannot succeed. And with that assistance, I cannot fail. I like that. With divine assistance, I cannot fail. That's pretty much how the writer of Hebrews ends the five warning passages. Verse 28 of chapter 12. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let us have grace. The grace to serve God acceptably in the day and the age in which we're living. In this uncertain season of our lives, we need to purpose in our hearts. We must have grace so that we do not fail the Lord. I read about a marathon in Pittsburgh that was conducted several years ago. In it is a story of two women and a story of a crowd of witnesses. Lara was running her 12th marathon. Jessica was running her first marathon. It was at the 14th mile marker, halfway through the race or so. These two women met up. Both were concerned that they were in last place. And they felt defeated. They felt overwhelmed. But Lara told Jessica, I will stay with you if you will stay with me. And together they trudged toward the finish line. The crowds had long since thinned out. Everyone had gone home, so the two women thought. But at mile marker 25, they were surprised to see a mass of people, a crowd that erupted into cheers when the two women came into view. And it was on the strength of those cheers that they ran the last mile together. They ran it arm in arm. And as they came to the finish line, they held hands, crossed together. In last place, they finished together. And they finished with the crowd cheering them on. 
you and I are compassed about, the Bible says, with such a great cloud of witnesses. These are the patriarchs and matriarchs of the faith who have gone on before us. In your own family's life, these are your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who lived the life before you. In these waiting moments of the sunset of time, I see the crowd beginning to stand to their feet. They are not applauding those who made it across the finish line first because this race is not to the swift. It's to those who finish and see it through to the end. I see that crowd rising as this last generation of believers begin to slip into the stadium and make that final lap crossing the finish line. I hear the cheers of days gone by. I hear the voices that once told us this is the way, walk ye in it. I see all the Barnabases in the crowd that encouraged us all through life. I see our mentors who guided us and who said, you can do it with God's grace and with God's help. You are going to make it. I see the people down through the ages, the apostles, the prophets. I see them standing there waiting, waiting with bated breath as we enter into the stadium for the last lap. For truly, my brothers and my sisters, we are in the last lap of this thing, the very last of the last days. And I'm telling you, there's one thing we cannot do. We cannot fail the Lord. We cannot fail the generations that have gone before us. We must finish this race all the way to the conclusion, and God will reward us. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.